On this episode of the Anything Goes Hokkaido video and audio podcast, we're excited to invite entertainer extraordinaire Jeremy Eaton all the way from Tokyo, Canada, and the USA to be our special guest. Jeremy began his career in North America and then started his international work right here in Hokkaido at Canada World. That's no longer around, but we can enjoy the stories he shares about that special place, as well as his work at Tokyo Disneyland and many other adventures. Jeremy's got quite the entertainment repertoire, so please stick around and enjoy the show. Welcome, our special guest, Jeremy Eaton. Welcome to the Anything Goes Hokkaido podcast.、Uh, right. Well, we just start with the names, I guess. So I'm Shinya. I'm Delena. And today and, we have a special guest.、Yes. Introduce yourself,、Hello. mystery man. <laughs> yes,、uh, I'm Jeremy. Jeremy Eaton. Jeremy. Nice to meet you.、Mm. Uh, nice to see you again. Welcome to the show. So, Jeremy,、uh, you and I go back about a year or two. Is that right? Something like that. A, li- a little bit less, I'd say. Some- somewhere in, well, in the pre pandemic era. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh no, is that a new term? <laughs> yeah. It's back in the days when there used to be indoor shows. Yes. Know,、uh, the kids don't remember those days, but, they, but they, we had them. Yeah, we definitely did. For you and I, especially being entertainers,、uh, we, we met on some kind of foreigners in Japan related group. I'm not exactly sure which one,、yeah. but our, our mutual. Work in the entertainment industry just kind of took the conversation off from there. And、yeah. it's been a wild ride and a really cool friendship so far.、Uh, we've met a couple times when I was in Tokyo getting ready for my tour or doing other business、mm-hmm. and、uh, always have a great time.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, Jeremy, you have some history with Hokkaido, don't you? Yeah.、Uh, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get into it, though, let's just start、oh, okay. back at the beginning. How did you end up in Japan? <laughs> <Yeah> . well, <laughs> let's just actually, go back up. The journey, the journey starts in Hokkaido, actually. The,、uh, my, my, I, was, I, I grew up in North America, mostly, mostly in Canada,、uh, in Vancouver, and、uh, I became a street performer,、uh, juggler primarily, and, and worked in,、uh, all throughout North America. I actually had a bit of a career going. I'm proud to say before I left、uh, Japan,、uh, before I left Vancouver, but my, my dream was to travel the world as an entertainer, right? And、uh, my first, it wasn't my first opportunity, but my first really international feeling opportunity was, was this job in,、uh, in Hokkaido.、Uh, mm-hmm. And I came to Japan like this. Close to in 96, at the end of 96, to, or the beginning of the spring, I think. And uh, uh, started working in a place called、uh, Canadian World in Ashibetsu. Ashibetsu Canadian World. Is there such. Canadian? There was... Maybe my parents know about this. <laughs> this is kind, yeah. of, kind of yeah. new for me.、Um... Well, well my, it's, yeah. it's yeah. subsequently. Gone into default. It's not my fault. It's, it was kind of a. <laughs> I, I'm, I remember having a conversation with a really smart woman who worked in City Hall, and she was sort of saying, like, well, we kind of thought Canadian World was kind of a dumb idea. And,、uh, and I, I, I said, she asked me what I thought, and I said, well, I can't really say because I kind of thrive on 
decisions like we need to build a replica of Canada in the middle of Hokkaido and we need to hire a juggler. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, but I, I, you know, it was kind of, I don't know, I kind of appreciate it because there's certain, like, you want a certain amount of magic to exist in the world, right? You want there to be a Canadian world in Japan. You want to be, you want it, you want this sort of fantasy thing to happen in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and it, it was great. It was, it was a really good park, actually. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, and Ashibetsu really is kind of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. so awesome that you brought some of that Canadian magic. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, those words together instantly make me think of bacon and maple syrup and that kind of magic. But yeah. uh, awesome. How many years was it years were you here in Hokkaido? Well, I had a six month contract. We were doing we were working six days a week. And there was five Canadians, including a, a woman who had red hair, who played uh, Anne of Green Gables. And, okay. Uh, I don't know if you know, like, the Canadian folklore here. There's uh, Louisa Mel Montgomery, I think is the name of the uh, author. She wrote a book called Anne of Green Gables, fictional character. Um, but they, they have a house, like a cottage in uh, eastern Canada uh, that's a... Uh, that's the home that she supposedly lived in, this fictional char character. Anyways, in Ashibetsu, they rebuilt this cottage in the middle, middle. Yeah, I have heard of Canadian World now that you mention it, because I've heard of that specific thing yeah. from, from friends years and years back. Okay, wow. I'm sure it still exists. It's still there? Um, yeah, I'm sure it's still there. I. It's probably, you know, I don't they probably don't promote it or anything anymore. And I don't know, you know, cause they had, it was such a huge infrastructure. I mean, it was like, I don't know, like half the size of Tokyo Disneyland or something. <laughs> and uh, it's huge. It's, there's a long track that runs around the side of it, uh, the outside of it. You get on a bus and go around the outside of it. And they had, uh, they had like a lakefront with replica buildings of, uh, from Quebec, a certain popular waterfront they had a, a organ museum with all these great organs in it and and some yatai down the bottom and shows in the middle uh, but i mean it was sort of the characters the canadian characters we were all uh these sort of turn of the century fictional characters from the book uh, i don't know how a juggler works in there but somehow it but i i did i did my show with a cap and knickers and down by the waterfront and uh so i do three shows a day and that was like that was for six months six days a week uh staying in hokkaido it was great I, the other canadians i mean they hit a point where uh after three months i don't know what other guys experience in japan is but there's there's usually like different uh blocks or these these walls you hit of um, sort of, I think what it relates to is tearing your cultural roots. So like there's a three month block and there's a six month block and there's a year block where you get these real strong, like I can't, you know, exist in this culture anymore sort of thing. The other Canadians mm. went through that really strongly. I, I didn't. I had a great time the whole time. So. <laughs> I, I'm thinking I, about 96 in Ashibetsu. I don't think there will be any other foreigners except for you Canadians there. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were pretty rare. We're pretty rare, which actually made it made it even more fun. I mean, they, you know, 
they'd invite us around to all the local cultural things, cultural festivals and stuff like that. They push the shrine around and mm. wear a fundoshi and and, uh, and they tied mine <laughs> too tight. They, they really they really were bad about that. And, and then uh, uh, you know, and then we you go to the local omatsuri and do the dance where everybody goes down the street and uh, you know, and then you know go watch the tea ceremony and stuff. But it was great. It was, it was a really good time. It, it was great that other people were there with me because it would have been unbelievably isolating if they hadn't mm. been. Uh, and, uh, but it was also like I got a good, really good taste experience, first experience of the culture and everything. Right. Did you know any Japanese before you came? Uh, yes. I knew the word uh, right, migi. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, could I could say Migi, and uh, on the plane ride to Hokkaido, I learned that Yoroshiku Onigaishimasu. Mm. <laughs> Yoroshiku Onigaishimasu. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That Useful? Was, uh, what's that? Useful? Yeah, it, was, it, was, it turned out to be a good thing to know. Uh, yeah. Well, I love how you say, yes, I knew one, no, two words. Um, <laughs> You know, as educators, we often try to tell people, don't say that you can't speak English. You've already studied it for six to ten years in school. <laughs> yes, I speak a little English. Yeah. It's like, yeah, foreigners, you know, two words in Japanese. Yeah, I speak Japanese. Yeah. You know? Like, I yeah. love that, that difference in attitude. So The confidence yeah. and yeah. the opposite thinking. Right. So six months in Hokkaido, and where did you go from there? Um. Well, so what I did was, and this is not, uh, uh, it was sort of an ill-advised plan, but what I did is I brought, I, back then you could get these things called around-the-world trip tickets. So for about 2000 Canadian dollars, I got this ticket, and I could go multiple stops throughout Asia, all the way down to Australia and back to Canada, and I could use these this ticket, all, uh, I could use this ticket whenever I wanted, to go from place to place and travel uh, throughout Asia for the rest of the year. So I booked flights from here to there. They don't have this now? (laughs) Uh, I I bet you they have facilities of it, but probably not as... I mean, that was just a great deal back then. You could... Yeah. Because there was probably less efficiency in the system back then because computers weren't quite up on it. So they they probably liked to know that somebody... They were going to fill up seats back then mm-hmm. so you could probably get great deals but i went from um uh after ashibetsu was over i went from uh, hokkaido to hong kong and hong kong i arrived with basically no money mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh uh but i immediately uh hooked up with a local uh one of these performing agents magic circus was the name of this agency run by uh, uh, uh an american guy and uh and started working and doing parties and stuff like that in in hong kong and uh uh and that ended up being great uh but i was in hong kong for like only like about a month and a half and uh uh and after about a month and a half that was enough like i was was kind of tired of hong kong and and then went on to uh singapore indonesia thailand um and uh and then eventually australia melbourne and then back to wow. Canada. But it, but it was great because like if you get if you get a flight into Kuala Lumpur, 
you can easily get to Singapore. You can take a night. Yeah. We took a sleeper train up to uh, Thailand, and back then Thailand was it cost us like five hundred bucks for a week in Thailand, and and uh, that included accommodation, transportation. Basically, that was like a, a fairly unrestrained budget back then. Thailand was actually the poorest place I'd ever been in the world but it was one of the better countries i'd ever been to it's really people are really beautiful i love uh thai culture and and, mm. uh, and thai food yeah thai food yeah <laughs> indonesian food was the worst <laughs> okay oh you think so really yeah it was really bad i couldn't eat anything and and well i mean part of the problem was you can't read any of the menus and there was a language barrier but I, I figured out what nasi goreng was, and I knew that at least was pretty cooked. I'd gotten sick and stuff in, in, in Indonesia. Uh, uh, yeah. That'll that take Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, a round-the-world trip. You ended up back in Canada, mm-hmm. and obviously you came back to Japan. So what was that uh, gap, or you know, how did you get all the way back here? Well, it was strange because it's... I don't know if you guys noticed this where you get this thing where if you've gone to a place, it's so much easier to get there the second time. It's really, really hard to get there the first time. First time we came to Japan, it was it was incredible. I had to jump through hoops, get a visa. It took years. I had to become a Canadian citizen. I was an American. I had to actually go take a test to become a Canadian, even though I'd lived there my whole life. I <laughs> I, I, I actually went to go get the visa and they're like, you, we can't get it. You're not Canadian. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not Canadian? And then and they said, well, you, you're you're you were born in the States. And I'm like, yeah, well, technically, but I, I know what it's like to be Canadian. Eh? I lived my whole life. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, no, we're not taking that. So, all right. All right. So what do I got to do? And they talk. Anyways, the um, so the second time I came back, I had an offer through another agency to go work in Kyushu this time in uh, near um, Sasebo um, at a place called Haustenbosch, which oh yeah, famous. That's yeah. super famous. Can- Canada World up in Hokkaido. <laughs> Maybe we don't know that much about, but uh, Haustenbosch is really super popular. Go on. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, for your listeners, Haustenbos is Dutch for house in the woods. It's a huge. They basically during the bubble era, Japan decided that they would rebuild uh, uh, Holland in in Kyushu. So they they literally rebuilt Holland. It's got cobblestone roads. It's got canals. It's got fields of tulips. It's got uh, windmills. It's got huge museums. It's got it's got the Utrecht Tower. Um, and uh, and huge plazas with churches and 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 uh, and then they stocked it with or back then they stocked it with uh, um, people who look Scandinavian <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah that was that that place is another place like like I, I like this this thing of there being this certain amount of like not like well magic in the world where you can go into southern japan and all of a sudden a bunch of dutch people ride by you on bicycles <laughs> and they're playing they're all dressed in dutch costume playing instruments you know like that was the, these were the sorts of things that that happened <laughs> mm. oh, yeah. oh wow Making cheese and stuff 
That's fun. Um, I don't look good in Dutch uh, wear. I know this for a fact because at the Tulip Park in Eastern Hokkaido, they dressed me up in Dutch clothing with the really? biggest, yeah, for the airport uh, Have Fun in Hokkaido program. What they were is actually, Dutch clothing for people who don't know? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll edit it into the video. <laughs> I, flower patterns and what I was wearing, but, you know, not very Like flattering. a dress? Did you wear like some... It was a dress, dress? for me. Oh, um, did you get clogs? And, yeah, the clogs. And, I mean, my feet are actually quite small for my height, but <laughs> they, they're still not tiny. So <laughs> they ended up like huge, huge clogs. <laughs> like probably men's size clogs. I don't know. Um and I have super, super narrow feet, so they were really hard to keep on. <laughs> but yeah, um, they, and like a kerchief. So like I had like a white thing um. around me and just, yeah, really kind of a bit frumpy for the classic. Yeah, I mean, but it's like not modern clothing, obviously. Um, I don't know if it was the camera angle or what. I, I know the director had planned to open the video with like me in Dutch clothing. And it's like, nope, nope cut that it does not look right something is off here <laughs> so I, I would love to see some pictures of you in your dutch outfits jeremy um i in maybe that time, i i don't remember i oh no i actually was i was given free reign with my costume because i was doing shows okay so i actually wore like kind of like a suit and tie and a vest and everything cool i've i've seen some some stock footage or uh, shots of you and some of your performance costumes we might have to edit those into the show <laughs> for our viewing audience I have, um if I have, you're ooh. This, is, this is one of my costumes this is my latest costume here that's just the jacket part okay <laughs> military epilepsy so at first i thought it was kind of chinese and i'm like is that cultural appropriation <laughs> <laughs> are we going to be in trouble here <laughs> okay if, if anything, it's British. I, I yeah, yeah. I when can't. I saw the tails, I went, okay, okay, that's more British. So I can't, you know, I can't really appropriate from my own uh, <laughs> roots. There it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Wow. So, what are you doing these days, and where? Uh, that's a good question. Or should we <laughs> should know, we I'm back excited. up a little bit pre-corona, yeah. because everybody's kind of doing nothing these days. Oh, Jeremy, um, you said you do juggling. Well, what yeah. else? do you do what is in your what is it forte what, what are you are you a jack of all trades <laughs> well in japanese i say i say uh juggling chirincha pantomime uh break dance acrobatics uh and so so i what i do is uh i i consider myself a variety act which means i will do anything if it's entertaining <laughs> <laughs> that's and like i mean anything you'd be surprised what you know it, yeah nothing that there's nothing that i won't do i have no shame uh, but uh uh but i guess what i what do i do best uh you know what i think what people think i do best and what i actually do best are two different things um and and what I like to do and what I do best are two different things too. <laughs> well, I, that's not that's technically true. What I really like to do is, is just mess around. Uh, yeah. Like I like to I like to play. You know, I like to play with the audience. I like to like you know basically try to have as much fun as possible while keeping people's attention and show off. <laughs> yeah. It, um. 
Yeah, I guess showing off, showing off, except I'm not I'm less interested in showing off, it's just being. But that's what the people want, I guess. I think that's what the people like, in a way. You'd be surprised. People don't okay. necessarily like people showing off. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll they, like, I, because there's, there's acts that are really great jugglers, but they're not necessarily entertaining. And, uh, and part of it is, is like you can be you can be an amazing athlete. Uh, there's an aspect of it that's somewhat athletic, and yeah. and and there's there there's something to that. I mean, it's amazing to watch Michael Jordan play, but is he entertaining? Can he tell a joke? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like it's there's there's certain athletic athleticism to it where it is it is showing off, but but for my for me it's I, I I'm not. I'm not taking any pride in that. Uh, I I just merely want to be. Uh, I just want attention. That's all. <laughs> I, uh, I identify with that painfully. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I don't know that I'm the uh, best guitarist. I know I'm not the best guitarist out there. That's why I hire other guitarists to play with me. I'm not sure I'm the best singer either. I'm the best me there is, um, but. I love attention. I love being on stage, uh, and I, I love having people feel connected to that too. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of about me or about us, you know, like the entertainers. But also, you're giving a lot when you're up there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so it it's not just all about receiving something from the audience. You have to be willing to put it all out there and kind of do anything. Um, case in point. One of my last shows, I tap danced while I sang <laughs> my original version of the Pink Panther, even though I'd only had like one tap dancing lesson in my life. How did that go, by the way? I, um, well, the, the one comment I got on YouTube was probably the most horrendous thing I've ever seen <laughs> written on, on YouTube. I, well, I think I had a couple like, oh, we'd like to see your feet or your shoes more, but because um, you couldn't see them at all. Yeah, that comment. I don't even. I'm even though this is like an explicit podcast. I'm not sure I can say what they wrote. <laughs> it's gonna go into my haters' um, song someday. Everyone has sure. to just go on YouTube and search it online. Yeah, maybe. I left it up there and I didn't respond just because I think as an artist, it's better to have a thicker skin and other people can think what they want to. Um, yeah, yeah. And maybe it's the higher road to just not say anything. But at the same time, like if you guys want to go to my Delena live YouTube channel and comment some positive things, even if Plug. you don't like like my tap dancing, um, the fact that I was brave enough to do it <laughs> yeah, yeah. would be would be nice. Um, and I hope you're not easily offended because what they wrote was pretty bad. Well, that's balls right there, just doing one lesson and just doing it on stage, you know. So I yeah. read that. I did um, this show after that, my last show. Um, Sorry, somebody is trying to call me on my other device. <gasps> so did I lose my video? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll just uh, let me turn it back on. Okay, I'm a popular girl tonight. I've got oh, all the, these. The phone's ringing here. Maybe it's... Me. No, that doesn't work. Well, <gasps> no. I'm, okay, is my video back? Yeah. Yeah, you're back. Um, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say that I have had this really cool... Uh, he's 13, I think, now was maybe 12 when we started um, 
really amazing prodigy tap dancer here. And I've had him perform at a number of my shows. But the last one I did before Corona wiped all that stuff out, um, we tap danced together. We actually rehearsed and it was like a lot of fun. So I think it turned out pretty good, maybe. Yeah. Um, I would love to do that more. There's there's a bunch of things like I think about that. One is is that people don't like people aren't accepting of anything online that isn't like mind blowing nowadays. And people have no idea of progression. Like there's a six year old kid in China that's better than me at everything you could possibly do. <laughs> he's, be he's better at anything. Like just like it, even the combination of skills is probably a kid that's that's better at everything. And posting videos online like techniques and stuff like that. And I kind of, I kind of missed an era when we didn't know, we couldn't just Google like, oh, the best at this online, and then see the best, and then, and then just think, well, I've done that, you know. And we, we, we had as artists, we had a little more, um, uh, mm. what is it? We, 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 we kept, we held the keys to the castle a little bit more than we, do, than we do now. Everybody yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, no, I just saw the best juggler ever or whatever. And, and, and then, uh, and then there's, and then anything that's not better than that is like not even worth looking at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that it's a lot to that where, you know, it was a treat to see something live because you couldn't just go on to YouTube or, or Google it. And, uh, yeah, it definitely makes us up our game for sure. Yeah. And then, that's one of the things that this current online only society where everything is zoomed in, Skyped in and, you know, televised. Yeah. You, you don't get the same energy and, and the connection, like that human face to face connection, like when you're in an audience. So I think we're going to get back to it eventually someday. Uh, nothing yeah. can really replace that. But um, yeah, I just went into the studio today downtown and recorded some emergency announcements all related to social distancing. <laughs> so, Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, mm. it's, it's better that, that that's being done right now. The, well, uh, yeah. yeah. A couple years ago, I was recording new announcements for a missile has been launched. So, oh, <laughs> you know, oh. I think, I don't know what, there's no better oh. in this. It's just is what it is. Hokkaido is going to be the new Honolulu. Uh, do you remember when Honolulu put out a text to everybody like uh, about a year and a half ago saying, you know, oh, we just launched a missile. Everybody or something, uh, North Korea is attacking us or something like that. Oh, my goodness. And everybody freaked out. Yeah. Missed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Jeremy. So, again, pre-corona days, what what is your average weekly schedule look like as a juggler or do anything to get attention kind of well professional. Uh, actually, last last couple of years have been sort of an exception to the pattern i used to i used to be working daily at uh, uh almost not daily but i used to be working uh, regularly at uh tokyo disneyland at expiati and there's a place in between the disney sea and disneyland that i was doing shows in uh, plaza there every day um uh so that and then I do gigs on the weekend or whatever. Oh wow! Uh, but about the a little over a year ago, I broke my wrist uh, falling off a unicycle. Wow! I, I was trying a backflip and I was going to try and land on one hand, 
and uh, no, I'm kidding. I, 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 I fell. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it broke my wrist. So, so that impeded my juggling for a little while. Um, yeah. uh, but this this past year, I've been doing lots and lots of improv and learning. I've been learning acting, and now I'm proud to say I can I can act like an actor. Oh, I, or I can act like an actor. I don't. I'm not. You know, I, I'm just just acting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, but yeah. So doing lots of improv and learning about that last couple of years has been has been a real source of joy and and uh, and been enriching and stuff and i did a bunch of uh, like uh conferences uh one the year before last the two two years ago was in dubai and this last one in last october was in vancouver which was great because that's my hometown so, right i remember when you took that trip and uh, you were very excited to be there and every day like oh it was so amazing yeah i have to tell you about it later <laughs> it's later yeah uh, oh man, there's there are highlights, uh, none of which I can say. <laughs> the, uh, the, let's see, I'm trying to think of like there's one moment that stands out in my mind, but uh, uh, but it, it's not it's not really public consumption. Uh, <laughs> it, it's don't it's, worry it's, about it's it. Very, don't worry about it. It's very contextual. Well, what it was is that one of the scenes they were doing. Um, it was one of the later night shows, so it was an all adult crowd and uh and the the two of the characters were on stage and they were talking and one of the women was saying that she was a lesbian or one of the characters of the lesbian the other one was like you know what is that like and they were talking about being lesbians and she's like well we do this and do that and then she's like what do you how do you do what do you use what do you do in that and then uh uh so they go off and and uh dan o'connor and joe bill are on stage and dan o'connor they're like gods in the improv world and they're they're talking, and the scene is is that Dan is is cooking the dinner for the family, and and uh, for Dan it's a metaphor for his love. Dan's character it's a metaphor for his love for the family, and and him and his dad, and he's 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 getting um, getting to this really emotional moment where he's he's trying to tell his father that he loves him you know and and he's you know he's sitting there he's holding this dish and it's and they're getting kind of choked up and and joe bell's starting to get the emotion the, the feeling and and then the first character the woman who's asking her friend about being a lesbian comes into the room pantomiming a strapped on dildo and goes across the stage and and the uh and it took it it took the audience like a minute to stop reacting it was it was it was unbelievably <laughs> risky and somehow perfectly contextual. Like it wasn't it wasn't she wasn't doing it to be uh, risque. Like it wasn't it wasn't about well it was kind of risque, but it was she wasn't done like uh, <laughs> like uh, what's the words uh, uh, kind of it wasn't lascivious. It wasn't that's not the right word. It's too big. <laughs> it wasn't, she was. She wasn't trying to be uh, licentious. Licentious, yeah. She was. She was trying to be, but it. But like, if you were, you were in that situation, like, oh, it'd be fun to run around with this strapped on in the house. Like, that's what it was. It was playful. That's what it was. It was playful, and it was, it was very <laughs> funny. It was very funny. That was one of the moments that stands out. Explicit uh, video with Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, where, where it goes. 
there goes whatever rating you had for it's got to have to go right to the other end. That's all right. Well, I usually you? swear in every video, so yeah, we end up marking them all explicit just for just for that. Yeah. So okay. Um. Well, I was trying really hard to hold my laughter in, so you could finish that story. <laughs> so I hope our audience finds themselves lolling to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was yeah. that was quite memorable. Uh, I'm sure. Was, yeah. Wow. So how did you? I have a question from me. So, well, how did you become? what you are now as an entertainer did you start a, from when you were very young everybody always asked me that and i can see I, I i finally get it like why they asked me it's like there's no you know like there's no path to doing what i'm doing no and, and uh and it's basically i saw another street performer and 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 years and years of sort of trying to make it work it eventually worked it's the, the actual answer is kind of boring to, to be honest but but it's 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 a horrible process. I, like I mean, it's like you're poor, you suffer 200, 300 really bad shows. You slowly put mm. it together over time. It's it's like it's picking quarters up off the ground. It's it's uh, lugging equipment. There's so much blood and sweat and tears that that uh, that it's like it. it, it the, one of the one of the, one performer, one of the great performers, uh, the Flying Jetson, he said. He said, we don't choose to become performers. Performance chooses us. And that's kind of what it's like. It's like, it's sort of like, this is what I am. And I'm just going to keep doing it until I'm defined that way. And uh, that's that's how it works. Um, you know, there there isn't a good answer. I mean, like you take from everything, you, you learn from everything, you use everything, you see what works, you try something, it doesn't work. You try a different thing. Um, that works that doesn't work um there's a lot of and you can learn you can use anything in a show anything can be a performance yeah um, you know it, mm. it depends but it's also at the same time it's really tough like um there was a classical violinist one of top level guy and he had like a million dollar violin went out in the street and started playing the violin and like after an hour in a crowded spot had made no money and, yeah, I've seen that um, video actually. Oh, okay. Where yeah. they they it may not be the same one you're referring to, but they had yeah. like this guy had packed out Carnegie Hall yeah. for like that night, sold out, playing that Stradivarius in yeah. the subway, and like nobody gave him money, nobody really stopped, and yet yeah. you know, yeah, I think it's all about how you frame things. Yeah. Yeah, so street performance is really, really hard, which is why I mean, and and I I'm not a, a top level Stradivarius player. I, I just I just use every gimmick trick and and throw enough spaghetti at the wall that eventually sticks. But there, I mean, there's, I mean, I've had that happen in Tokyo where I couldn't get people to stop, and and uh, and then you know, and still I still am terrified of that happening sometimes, but. Other times there's like you know magic. You may have seen the movie uh, Benny and June with Johnny Depp. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cushy. Yeah, <laughs> but that character was actually very similar to the kind of character I was as when I started out as a performer in New York. And I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I would be surprised. But 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 the uh, uh, but there's a scene in the movie where he he goes. 
and he kicks his hat around. He does two really simple hat tricks with it and then does a, a frontwards flip onto his back and immediately has a crowd of 200 people watching him. And uh, that pissed me off so much. Because <laughs> it never... Movie magic? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it doesn't work like that at all. It would be like going out and playing three notes on a clarinet and then having a crowd. Like, it, it's it's way, way, way more difficult than that. And, and uh, it, it, yeah, it doesn't even compare. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's like everybody goes, oh, you're an overnight success when any artist, be it music or um, drama, whatever it is, like suddenly gets their fame. But it's like, I've been doing this for 10 doing years, for 20, yeah, yeah. how many years yeah. for me? <laughs> so, wow. Um, when did you first learn to juggle? Uh, that's like, a, that's a, uh, I have an answer for that. I, I saw it on TV. <laughs> uh, but were you like a kid or an adult or? It's actually funny because my karma ended up meshing up. I was I was 12 years old. I was at my grandmother's. And I was watching. It was Anthony Gatto being taught by uh, Professor Confidence, a guy named uh, uh, Dave Finnegan, who at that time, I don't think I really knew who he was. And and I was like, oh, I, I saw what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. And went out in the front yard and, uh, and learned to juggle golf balls, like five throws. I could do five throws. I'm like, hey, look what I can do. And I was like, nobody cares. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then after high school, uh, I got really into it. Like I just sort of like I I think if you can do anything you want, sort of to make a earn a living, like this is something at least I like. And and uh, so I started. I just got really focused on it. I was practicing a lot, like five hours a day and stuff at first. That's it's that's way too much. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh, but uh, so Dave Finnegan wrote a book called the the what is it the Complete Guide to Juggling, and it was this thick book and it was like my Bible for a long time, and uh, he uh, so I was in House of Boss in Tokyo. This is years later, I had become a performer. And I was doing stage shows and stuff like that. And I was walking in to go into, you know, get ready for the show. And he comes walking out. And I saw him. And I immediately recognized him. Like, and this is decades later. I immediately, and I'm like, I don't believe it. And he said, he said, ah, you're a juggler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, yeah, so I, I got to know him later on, like, when he was in Tokyo. It was really kind of weird how wow. how, how the, uh, the karmic loop he was at a, a juggling festival in Baltimore in, I want to say like 91 or something like that. It turns out that three other juggling foreign performers in, in Japan were all at the same festival and we didn't all know each other. <laughs> uh, mm. so, there, so there's some sort of karmic wow. trajectory there that we were all on. Yeah, wow. And what's the craziest thing you've juggled? Uh, that, uh, well, any crazy things that you've juggled? I've juggled a, a trombone broken up. Um, <laughs> okay. A trombone was, in interesting. parts. Okay. That was that was the fault of my roommate. Uh, I he, I said, you know, I'm thinking. I had my trombone. I was like, I should juggle it. He said, you, he's a musician. He said, you can't juggle that. And so immediately I ran out in the street and started juggling it. Uh, <laughs> 
because because uh, he and I were always at each other, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, you know I juggle. I mean, you can juggle. Uh, I have a, another friend who does a show where he collects any three objects from the audience, and he juggles them. That's for his finale. He has to do ten throws, and he and he always gets a baby stroller because he's really good with the baby stroller. He folds it up <laughs> and stuff, and. Uh, and, you know, and occasionally, like, he's done, like, uh, uh, the craziest thing. Actually, I've juggled real sharp knives, like uh, mm-hmm. chef knives. That was dumb, though. I was, <laughs> <laughs> they, Do not uh, try this at home. <laughs> no, it's, it's like, it would be really unforgiving. Uh, I mean, I've done torches and stuff like that. I mean, and, and really, any three objects is easy, uh, provided they're well-balanced. Because uh, you have a lot of time with three objects. Uh, I've I've tossed a, a chainsaw before, but it's it's not chainsaw is actually pretty easy. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just, not just casually, <laughs> no, casually it's, just. Well, it's it's heavy. That's the problem. It's just heavy. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And and the ones that most jugglers, if they're smart, they're, they're gimmick. They're 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 not actually dangerous. Like when you know, or you could whack yourself with it that would hurt but it's pretty hard to do that uh, the uh, i've juggled bowling ball a bowling i've done three small bowling balls um and stuff like that uh i actually have a, a trombone back here that i was thinking of juggling again uh one of those pla- you know those plastic ones you get now okay yeah like the the student kind that yeah Oh, in different yeah. colors oh okay yeah i was thinking i wanted to because the one i was doing was uh was was i broke it into parts so i was mm-hmm. juggling the bell and the, the slide but i'd like to actually juggle the whole thing and the, the, the plastic ones are light enough that it's possible that'd be cool yeah um i don't suppose you have the space or the the items around to do a little juggling for us on camera now uh, could. that would have been the kind of thing to ask you ahead of time yeah. <laughs> i don't uh, i just I just threw out my back. Oh, uh, okay. Well, please don't hurt yourself. I don't, I don't have any space to do anything good. <laughs> uh, yeah, still... just casually. I'm pretty sure 90, 90 to 99% of the population can't do that either. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I, like I say, I, I broke my wrist. Uh, well, dude, this is a... Uh, it is. This is this is like my old routine when I was like 21. I was like fish going upstream, and then uh, behind the back, behind the other. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Hey, Congrats! Yeah, ju- ju- uh, gravity sucks. <laughs> behind the other back, behind both backs. And then uh, under the leg, under the other leg, still, <laughs> still under the leg, <laughs> and uh, reverse. Wow, that's a uh, fancy finish. Yay! <laughs> Very professional. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. I know I put you on the spot there. It, oh, we can't, a, we can't see. We can only see your. Oh, your... that's done. Okay, it's a there. Hat. We go. It was, it was a hat. <laughs> you really do use any and everything. 
You do really enjoy. Ah. Wow, I can see why people definitely enjoy. And th- that's the thing. Like we've known each other for a while, but I've never had the chance to see you perform, uh, other than just like clips on on social media. So this is cool. Here's here's uh. <laughs> I, I uh yeah oh, I think I've opened a can of worms once we get yeah. him in entertainer mode there's no <laughs> stopping it this is awesome people yeah. he's gonna be here all week yeah try the veal did you see that yeah, yeah that's cool okay that's okay um, I mean it was a bit far away but it looked so very yeah, I don't oh, know. Is like, this is a, this is the trouble with not doing things live. I mean, no, this is really it's like, and you know, it's all CG or something. And in front of a camera. And speaking of CG, your green screen is showing, <laughs> or the edge of your green screen is showing. Here's here's uh, here's here's what Johnny Depp. I and this is a true story actually. I met Johnny Depp, but uh, this is what Johnny Depp did. Uh, to get a crowd of 200 people in Benny and June. That's it. That's the green 200, screen. <laughs> 200 people. 200 people. With the hat trick. Yeah, with that good one joke. Yes. Trick. Yeah, it's not that easy. Camera, Hollywood. Just get a, it's a better version. Just put right? a picture of 200 people on the green screen. There you go. Yeah. Okay. wow so uh you've been doing a lot of improv lately and uh what is the improv acting scene like in tokyo as far as like the foreign community because i think most of our listeners viewers are either foreigners in japan or interested in being a foreigner in japan (laughs) it's it's i'd say i'd call it well uh, until the pandemic showed up it was exploding uh so now the pandemic is exploding, but um, it was, it's, there's a great teacher. Uh, Chris Wells teaches at Studio Goko, uh, beginning classes on Monday nights. Um, and if you go, if you check in Meetup uh, for improv, you'll find that there's, there's, there's a couple of English speaking groups, two or three, uh, usually alive in Tokyo, at least. And then some outside in Osaka and stuff. Um, the Japanese groups are like, they're all over the place. Like they're exploding right now. So there's four or five that I know of. And there's no mm-hmm. more like six or seven in Tokyo alone. Uh, pretty big size groups. There's, uh, well, and there's Studio Goko that Chris teaches at June and Mai is one of the premier improv teachers in, in, uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he teaches and, and works uh, Studio D is probably the most talented group of Japanese improvisers in Tokyo. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, so do you mainly participate in English-speaking groups, or do you also do Japanese? I, I do both. Um, I am with a group called Second Circle right now, and uh, before I was with uh, High Spirits. <laughs> and then, uh, um, yeah, so I do both. I, the we're, we're doing stuff online uh second circle is doing like zoom shows and stuff it's to be honest i i hate it <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i don't hate it i i enjoy it i love it but but um i i 
I'm a physical performer, so I, I don't like to, uh, I don't, the Zoom thing is not as much fun as, as doing uh, an actual live theater performance for me. Uh, I, I, I love the improv. I, I still, I, I don't, I, I shouldn't have said I hate it. I said that was. <laughs> I think we all understood that you didn't <laughs> really mean it. I think most I, I people are in the same situation as you, missing out on the live shows and performing on stage and things like that so yeah. for sure yeah. um i'm kind of thinking brainstorming as we chat um i don't believe there are any improv groups here in hokkaido which of course would be sapporo since that's where all the cool stuff happens but uh anybody who's listening and watching uh shall we start an improv group it's something i would love to participate in i know one of our in the line guest who I shouted out last week. I'm going to do it again. Sean Clanky, you are coming up soon for our interview. Um, he is an actor in horror films. He's usually the guy that gets killed pretty quickly, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or, or the monster in the horse mask. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we have quite a lot of talent up here in our foreign and otherwise community. I, I would like to see that happen. Maybe something that the Anything Goes Hokkaido podcast could try to help facilitate, if not sponsor. Sponsorship uh, implies money, and we don't have any of that at this time. Uh, speaking of, a little plug here. If you would like to be a patron or a sponsor of our podcast, we certainly could use it. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Yes, we'll have to get <laughs> video up there. No, Delena, I stand I, it I <laughs> well, I say it at the end of every single podcast, but... Uh, ooh, magic. Oh! Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's uh, uh I, I i'm not a magician so yeah continue <laughs> <laughs> well you've got us mesmerized now this is yeah it's just a string <laughs> <laughs> any and everything uh have you been back and- to hokkaido since your time here yeah a couple times not for very long at any one time uh did a couple shows in Sapporo, uh, and oh, and I worked in uh, Nobody Betsu uh, at uh, Marine Park. A, a okay, yeah, I feel like I didn't meet you, but I should have maybe uh, at that time. There's there's two guys. There's me and a, that worked there. Maybe three guys that we all look the same. So maybe uh, it must be must be one of them because he definitely <laughs> yeah. was not Canadian. But I I feel like yeah, I saw you at the Marine Park. Yeah. A number, probably 15, 16 years ago. <laughs> Must have been one of the other guys. Wow. Well, I was going to ask under other circumstances, when are we going to see you up here again? But of course, nobody knows yeah. right now. Probably. Yeah, probably just after the... I don't know. It could be. It could be like the future I'm looking at right now. We're all going to be like sitting around garbage cans with with <laughs> gloves on that are cut off at the fingers and all tattered and stuff so so i think uh but maybe that will be Sapporo. so you know <laughs> <laughs> everybody the survivor the tokyo survivors or everybody from kyushu will move up to honshu after they submerge into the ocean and and uh, and everybody in tokyo will move up to hokkaido because it'll be a nicer climate up there tokyo will right. be a desert yeah yeah, it's entirely plausible. But, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be less optimistic. <laughs> Good job. <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's quite the, 
post-apocalyptic post uh, future there. It's a little bit depressing. Situation, yeah. yeah. Well, now that um, they are kind of allowing people to travel within Japan as, you know, like the uh, Hokkaido Nature Tours, which was a couple episodes back, they're starting to offer packages and plans for people residing in Japan, whereas mm -hmm. previously it was all foreign-based tourism. Um, perhaps we could use some of your entertainment expertise up this way and some opportunity will come sooner yeah. than later. Yeah. Fingers oh, no, crossed. I, we hope so. I, yeah, I'm always looking for opportunities to go back to Hokkaido. I love it there. I love Sapporo. Sapporo is one of my favorite places in, in uh, Japan. I, uh, I have fond memories of Tanuki, uh, Shotengai, and, uh, and Tanuki Boji. Odori Cohen and, and yeah, I used to used to take a bus in because I only had one day off. I'd go out Friday night. I would go to Sapporo and and then spend Saturday and then come back Saturday night. Right, six days yeah. a week work schedule. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. Loved it every time. Uh, when you started to say the Tanuki thing, I was just already envisioning where you were going to take that and you know um, the tanuki which mm. what is that like a raccoon dog yeah they're they're famous in hokkaido especially and they have a lot of densetsu like legends about them but they have these they're the balls like <laughs> you know the tanuki testicles are like supposed to be lucky and so they uh, all of the yeah. wooden carvings and statues and tanuki koji shopping uh mall you uh, see these it's, they it's treat it like, sort of like the, Buddha, the Buddha yeah. Is that what yeah, happens? exactly. People rub yeah. the, uh, the yeah. raccoon the nutsack. dog nutsack. <laughs> for good luck. I guess it's not just Hokkaido, but that is like a feature of that area in Sapporo for sure. The yeah. Tanuki Koji. A uh, little, little sketchy sometimes, yeah. I feel. That's, uh, that only contributes to, to this outsized reputation that Japan has internationally. Like... Like the, you know, the rumors, the Tokyo rumors of the vending machines with the girls' panties in them and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I've never seen that, but but yeah, everybody, yeah. It, everybody knows that. That's like the number. Maybe one in the past, no. Maybe like, in the past. Did it ever exist? I don't know. I I don't think that that is like a completely sure the thing. Yeah, I don't in even the, think it's in a the thing. bubble time were there vending machines. There may have been. Yeah. I mean, I saw. When I first went to Tokyo, I saw vending machines with with sealed uh, mylar bags of something, but but I don't I don't know like I, I, why would I assume that it was that you know? <laughs> well, it's hard to say. I I feel like Tokyo and super megatropolises probably have everything and everything. anything from <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. from above ground to the underground practices. Uh, that would be an interesting episode to do someday, <laughs> but. Uh, the underground side of Sapporo, maybe, and uh, our entertainment districts. But I was going to say, we were talking just about Tanuki Koji, um, and I wanted to give a little shout-out to one of our local businesses. Uh, TK36 used to be TK6 in the Tanuki Koji Rokuchome, which is the sixth block where it gets its name for Tanuki Koji, a.k.a. TK. Uh, but they... Closed down shop there for a little while and then reopened at a new location on Route 36. And uh, Shinya, you were just there a couple of days ago. Last Friday. Last Friday. Uh, tell us. I haven't What's been since day? the opening. 
pre-corona. Oh, it's just the time. same. Oh, really? You haven't been to the new TK36? I have, I have. I went on oh, opening okay, night. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm a big business supporter. I went on opening night, yo. But then I haven't been back since... Yo? Since pre... It's Japanese. <laughs> yo? The show? Yo? <laughs> the show? Mm. Well, I mean, it's what I remember as TK36 hasn't changed that much and uh, I drank my first not actually not my first my uh, an Aussie beer Australian beer and uh, it was not very good <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Sapporo beer so Shinya, where are you from in Australia I'm from Cairns oh yeah okay yeah yes Cairns Cairns, Cairns, yeah. mate. So yeah. far north east of Australia. Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, went there. They have nice burgers, and I think in the future we'll do a burger challenge there. Uh, it's like mm. 3,500 yen for a burger, which is like stacked <laughs> about like, a, what is it, like 60 to 70 centimeters or something. Wow. And is and it free you if to... you eat it within a certain amount of time? I think you have to eat it in 30 minutes. By yourself, and then yeah? It's free. Yeah, oh yes, by yourself. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, If it gets safe to go out again, I mean, I know young single guy oh. has a different idea of what safe and safe. I go out is. every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you guys are really close. Hokkaido's only, only had one case or something yesterday, right? Like, you guys are close to defeating It's us. supposed to be zero. Like, it was zero for two days. Please don't tell me it went up one because my kids just went back to school after four uh, months of homeschooling. <laughs> I, think, I think you're all right. I mean, to- in Tokyo, we had we went down to 104 yesterday. So we're like for for us, that's that's business as usual. Almost. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we're getting there. Um, I have decided I'm going to start taking Aikido classes. Oh, soon. nice. Yeah. Um, there's another person I hope to have on the show soon who is a Spanish-born, Iranian background, uh, but a Japanese national. Oh, so wow. I could actually talk. I, I think he said the process was hellish, so maybe we don't want to talk about uh, what it was like to become a Japanese national. But uh, the Aikido thing is very cool. And even my very cautious family said, yeah, you could do that when Corona like settles down. And I'm thinking, hey, we're you at zero need, cases. It, you need it's settled down. Defense from Corona, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hokkaido can be the New Zealand of, of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think it is in a lot of ways with all the sheep no, and stuff. Tasmania, yeah. it's Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Tasmania of Japan. Tasmania. Wow. Well, um, we're approaching the hour mark here and i think we're trying to keep our show around that just for some consistency but hey anything goes uh that's our motto jeremy let's go two hours (laughs) i actually have to teach class before that so we would have to go a little shy uh any anything you want to share with our audience about you know anything uh yes uh, I think everybody, well, if you, if you want to reach me, uh, look for Jeremy Eaton on Facebook or, uh, uh, Jedi juggler.com if you want to hire me. And, uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to donate money to me, uh, you'll have <laughs> to come watch a show. And then, uh, so in the meantime, uh, please give that to this podcast, this fine podcast. <laughs> and, and what else? Uh, 
be peaceful, be nice to each other, don't sneeze on them, and uh, enjoy your lives. Yeah. Very and wise one advice. last one last question. Any yeah. uh, advice for the young kids out there, maybe wanting to start doing some juggling or want to be an entertainer in the future? Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Okay. Here's here's what I advise: is is uh, follow your passions. Do it if you if you really enjoy it. Do it. Um, there's no there's really no barrier to entry. Anybody can go on a street corner and do whatever, and that's how I started. So uh, so literally, it's I, it's easy to say that, and you're really only starting the journey. Um, but if you keep your eye on the peak, it, it eventually leads somewhere. I can promise you that. Um, but but uh, I think your own path will be unique. So follow that. Follow your heart. Follow your your what you're really interested in. As long as it's something that you're improving at, as long as it's something that you're figuring out how other people relate to. Uh, you know, don't. Mm. I think you could do almost anything. Wow, that's some really great, great advice. advice. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Jeremy, it's been a pleasure, Indeed, truly man. a pleasure to see you um, as a friend and to have you as a guest on our show. We love the fact that you've got such a strong connection with Hokkaido and that your yeah. career in Japan started here. And yeah. we really hope to see you in the flesh yeah. uh, on our Hokkaido streets, in our venues, sometime uh, down yeah. the line. Or in Tokyo, yeah. Yeah, Tokyo for sure. Um, if you happen to be in Tokyo and you're interested in improv, interested in having a juggler and a many talented, many faceted entertainer, please check out Jeremy's pages. They'll be in the links. <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Self-cannibalism happening. <laughs> for the people who cannot watch... <laughs> I love no. I don't think you should explain it. There's just say that Jer there's cannibalism going on. <laughs> <laughs> cannibalism going on here Jeremy on the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't laughed this hard in it's a our, while. Thank our, you. Our thumbnail for this podcast. <laughs> what? There's cannib cannibalism going on here. What is this cannibalism? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't want to stop, but uh, work and other things call so. Everybody, thank you once again for listening and watching thank the Anything much, Goes yeah. Hokkaido video audio yeah. podcast. I'm Delena. I'm Xinyao. And, and Jeremy Eaton. Yeah, uh, Jami. Sentimental Jami. Japanese. Entertainer to the last, and we thank you. So, okay. Thank you. Stuck it. As always, a huge thank you to everyone who made this podcast possible, especially our guest, Jeremy Eaton. Please check him out at thejedijuggler.com. And don't forget, we are currently running a Patreon campaign where you can get special access to different things about our show. And if you want to join up there, just go to patreon.com slash anything goes Hokkaido. We're very happy to support our local community and very happy that you are supporting us by watching and listening and sharing. Don't forget to like and subscribe and mata shitake ne!